0: Greetings, little one. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Bad witch! I'm not a witch, I'm your wife! What makes you think she is a witch? Well, she turned me into a newt. A newt? Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Not better. Dost thou comprehend? Welcome to Real Magic a podcast at the crossroads of real witchcraft and Hollywood magic, where paganism and the supernatural meet their reflections in movies and television, and where we talk about what real magical or life lessons we can learn from fictional witches from 100 years of moving pictures. I'll let you mine, pretty, and your little dog, too. So hello there, witches and weirdos. Welcome to episode three of the Real Magic Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. So as a bit of an introduction, I want to tell you a story about something that happened to me on ye old internet a few weeks ago. As you might know, I'm a writer for a website called The Mary Sue. We're a feminist geek website and I get to write about all the movies I love that are new and old. So I decided to write about one of my favorite little pet theories about one of my favorite Halloween-y witchy movies, Practical Magic. Now, I'm a gay woman married to a woman, and so queer representation's always been really important to me. And as I've mentioned on this podcast already, I'm a big fangirl, so I totally believe in queering the narrative and just seeing things how we want to, especially if that means seeing them as gay. So my little theory was that the aunts in Practical Magic aren't actually sisters. That they're basically just married. Aunt Frances's sister is Jillian and Sally's mom. She's got red hair because there's always two sisters, right? And so that means that Diane Weiss's aunt, Jet, must be her wife. Now that's just my little fun fanfiction-y theory. some people on the internet got a bit put out by this theory, and it was just an interesting window into how, even in the pagan community, the idea of queering the narrative or fan fiction isn't quite as accepted as it is in some of the more fandomy circles I run into. And yeah, a lot of people brought up that there are sisters in the book, but I was just talking about the movie, and I'm a fangirl. I don't really care about what the canon says when I'm making something gay. And no, I wasn't supporting incest or any of that. But it was a fun way to see how important practical magic is to so many people just in the pagan community alone. And that's why I'm so excited to talk about it today with our guest. My guest is Firelight. He's the man behind the Inciting a Riot podcast. He's also an author and poet. But he's somebody who's really into bringing the social justice perspective into witchcraft and paganism, and I really love that. We had a great discussion about practical magic, the ways that it reflects our community, and how much we as witches just love it. So please enjoy my conversation with Firelight on practical magic. Welcome to the Real Magic Podcast. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Hi, so, it's, um, hi Jess Mason. Deja hi. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, everyone online calls me Jess, and that's because uh, my Twitter handle has Jess in it, and I've just sort of gone with it. But like up until like five years ago, I was Jessica to everyone. Uh-huh. So I sort of go back and forth. And it's funny because like my grandfather, I'm named after him, his name was Jess Mason. Oh. and He was like. A writer and a radio personality. And so now I've turned into another Jess Mason a writer like, and a radio personality. Radio. So my father finds that really interesting. Welcome to episode three of Real Magic. And we're talking about one of our all time fall witchy faves, which is practical magic, which is sort of like, I found out the hard way recently, kind of a sacred cow to the pagan community. Yeah, you, boy, howdy,
1: you sure. stepped all the way in it, didn't you? Just, just all the way
0: I just was telling the truth obviously these ants are <laughs> they're married one of them is not a biological sister she's just married into the family it's so clear to me oh
1: sis <laughs> oh hon oh man you stepped in it and <laughs> and right smack in the middle of October in peak practical magic season yeah. you got all the way in it I, <laughs> I did not I was like for once I'm glad it's not me. <laughs>
0: I'm very used to it. I've gotten a lot of fandoms mad. (laughs) But before we get into practical magic, like my sort of icebreaker question is, what was a movie for you that made you believe in magic as a kid? What was your gateway magical movie? Like for me, it was Sleeping Beauty and the Wizard of Oz. But what was a movie for you that really first identified with the witches or the magic in it?
1: I mean, I, I'm, I'm not even going to lie. I mean, so this movie came out when I was, it was 1998, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I was 12 when this movie came out. So this, this was was a big one for me. Like I, um, I mean, I always loved really any, uh, so my introduction to magic, uh, was in first grade, a stage magician came to our school
0: (laughs) All right, I love and this already. He did,
1: he did a show like he made one of the teachers disappear and reappear in a box on the stage. Wow. Like he lit fire from his hands. Like I, he was a wizard to me. He was a real wizard who was really doing magic, and that was really happening. And it was all happening. And I, I was like, this is this is beyond. And from then on, I was I was like deep 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 into like X like. Anything where somebody had some powers on TV, mm-hmm. I was all about it. X-Men, Power Rangers, like I was big into superheroes, big into superpowers, all of that kind of thing. Um, but of course, like the people that I always loved were witchy characters. I mean, people that could cast spells and open books and things like that. Uh, I think that probably the first witch that I saw that really affected me was, um, was Angela Lansbury's witch in uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks and I know that it had a deep impact on me because she had this little tiny spell book Mm -hmm. and she would open it up, search the pages and the spell was only three freaking words but she could never remember. She always needed the little book. She had to flip open the pages to find filigree, apogee, uh, perigee or something like that and it would turn people into rabbits and... I would walk around. Do you remember those little Bibles um, that they hand out? Like in like uh, like you always find them in like hotel rooms.
0: Oh, like the like um, the Gideon's Bibles? Gideons. Yeah. The Gideon
1: Bibles, yes. The yeah. little itty bitty Gideon Bibles. Uh, and of course, me growing up in, in a public school in very tiny East Texas. Um, you know, people would come and like hand them out at schools too, because oh yeah, yeah, yeah it was great. Um but like those were my first witchy props. What? <laughs> Because it was the same exact size. It's like Angela Lansbury's little spell book in Bedknobs and Room 6. So I would walk around with my little Gideon Bible and I'd flip open pages and I would cast spells on people. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, there's so many layers there. Oh, so yeah. many layers. So many layers. And that was like the first witch on TV <laughs> for me. Um, but I, like no joke, Practical Magic was probably like my first like witches, like my first witches on TV that were witches. And so like, that's been like a deep, deep love of mine since Mm -hmm. I was 12.
0: Oh yeah. Do you remember when you first saw it?
1: I can't remember if we saw it in theaters. I've been trying to, since uh, you were, you know, since we talked about maybe me doing your show and um (laughs) <laughs> I said, did anybody grab practical magic yet? Because <laughs> I know people are going to, I know somebody yeah. somewhere that will be people want to talk about it. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to remember if we saw it in theaters. I, I mean, I was 12. That was a very long time ago. <laughs> I, I could have, I could have seen it in theaters. Mm. I definitely know um, the first, when I, I, I was the first person in my house to get a DVD player. Uh, my parents bought it for me for my birthday. Um, and they thought you know it was another cute, fun electronic thing to buy someone. Nice. It was. A, yeah, it, they, they, didn't, didn't, they didn't know it yeah. was a gateway. They they thought it was a trend. You know, it was a, a, a trendy thing. It wasn't going to last. So uh, the first two movies that I ever owned were X Men and Practical Magic. Nice. And, which is that's, that. Says, that explains a lot. Yeah. That's my soul right there. X Men mm-hmm. and Practical Magic. That's my soul. Um, and I. I know that I watched the Practical Magic DVD. I still have that Practical Magic DVD. Like I have, I, d- I haven't bought like physical media because everything I buy is like on iTunes. Yeah, or, same. You know, streaming, things like that. Um, I haven't bought like a Blu-ray in a really long, really like well over 10 years, maybe longer. Um, But uh, I still have that one because it's just, that's, yeah, that's my baby that's that's my it's my treasure
0: I remember I saw it when it came out in theaters and I was a freshman in high school which means I'm older than you which is terrifying a little bit um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I saw it with like my three girlfriends who I'd met early in freshman year and we'd all like seen the craft and so we all sure. wanted to be like a coven and we went to see Practical Magic and that was just like it was just so witchy and great, and they actually released this movie in October, which mm-hmm. some witchy movies like get released in. Like Hocus Pocus was released was in July. released in the summer. Yeah, and shocker! It was a flop in July. Yeah. Um, and I just remember like coming out of that, you know, movie theater with like Stevie Nicks just playing in my head. Oh, i like, yeah. ah, I feel so oh, magical. Yeah. It just it has a magical feeling, and like this movie is such an interesting movie from like like if you can look at the script and you can look at the performances but like it's much more than the sum of its parts because mm-hmm. it just got that feeling that aesthetic that just magic i guess or lack of a better word
1: oh absolutely and- i i understand why it has withstood the test of time i understand why it is the cult classic that it is because it, it's, it's the ambiance of the movie, the making of the movie, the people who are in the movie. I mean, really, to to find a movie that's just about women at all, that's just yeah. about women, that's made by women, you know, it's based on a book uh, written by a woman. The, the whole cast pretty much is women. You know, I was doing deep dives into research for this episode. And uh, there was a, a guy who said that he was up for like one of the two male leads in the movie. I was like, there aren't two male leads in the movie. It's
0: like, it's Agent <laughs> like, Quinn and there's dead guy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, there's barely one male lead in the movie. Like the agent like has like six lines, like he's barely in this movie.
0: <laughs> if you could like take him out of the movie and it wouldn't... <laughs> Hurt the movie too much. I mean, like like the love story, but. Okay. Yeah.
1: But like the line where he says, I wished for you too.
0: Yeah. That's a good line. You can't take that out of the movie. That's pretty great. You know, that's a good line. That's such a good line. The release of this movie, I was just looking at like the box office for it because it opened Mm -hmm. at number one uh, at $13 million. Yeah. Against. uh, I love that. I think it was like Chucky, Bride of Chucky was its yeah. competition yeah. that week. And like it was pretty good, the box office for October. And then like it goes from number three to like number seven when after Halloween passes. Sure. So everyone said, sure. okay, no, it's no longer applicable. But it's become this like, I wouldn't call it a cult classic. It's just like a classic, just oh it's just fully a, for, a cult
1: classic. Like, yeah. like I mean it's it's a pretty neat I mean it's still a niche movie. It's not like something that like it's not like legally blonde where, you know, you say, oh gosh, yeah, I just, I want to put on Legally Blonde and blah, 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 blah. Like, I feel like a few more people love, you know, Legally Blonde, Mean Girls. Like, I I still don't feel like it's entered, you know, top tier nostalgia. I still feel like it bubbles under the surface. And like, it's certainly a comfort movie for a lot of people, but, um, you know, I don't think it's in people's like top tier choice.
0: Yeah. And I think it's very much like a seasonal movie because like very I much said so. before, it is like the pumpkin spice of movies. That's literally how I kind of welcome the fall as I put on Practical Magic and like sure. pumpkin bread or like decorate my house for Halloween and put up all the ridiculous Halloween decorations I have. And so it's just, it's got that autumnal feel, even though it's not, time works in weird ways in this movie. I, it's really hard to tell like. <laughs> when anything takes place
1: well it, it's it, it was a it was a weird movie um to the the way that they made the movie is is weird it's supposed to take place on an island in Massachusetts
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and you know if you read the two prequel novels you know why it takes place in and,
0: I, I, areas. and I I as, as apparently have been made very you, clear I have not read the prequels, uh, of the novels and yeah, I've read yes, them good com- but I haven't read them
1: Yes, Kanye West. We know that you are a proud non-reader of books, but um, I'm
0: reading. I I mean, I read a lot of books. Just you uh, read a lot of
1: yeah fan fiction yes we know
0: oh. <laughs> I haven't read fanfic for a few years like this book this year I've read just like a lot of nonfiction and witchy books in history but I'm reading Song of Achilles right now which I'm really liking which is basically like Iliad I'm fan fiction send you, I'm gonna
1: send you a copy of Magic Lessons by Alice Hoffman I'm just gonna you gotta have it just in there promise me you'll read it at some
0: point I will <laughs> I've, got, I've got like a two reread books. like I've got three books right here
1: the movie is supposed to be set, or the the home and everything is supposed to be set in an island in Massachusetts, and it was actually a set in Oregon. Um, yeah,
0: I'm like, yay, home state, because I'm from Oregon. I don't know if that yeah. is, made that clear. So,
1: and what I always found interesting about the set because it it is one of those movies that is almost as much about the aesthetic as it is about the characters yeah. and about the plot and everything else. Like it it is it's um uh one. Another one that I feel like is sort of re-entering the uh, zeitgeist—not a movie, but a little mini series called *Over the Garden Wall*. Yeah, um, that's like is is an animated mini series that is sort of blowing up. It's having its Shit's Creek moment this year, where it's like entering this like fever pitch of popularity, and it's like, oh no, every year I watch this, and it gets me into the. Harvest mood and it's so good and but I feel like Practical Magic is one of those because you you see it you want to live in that house you want to eat that food you want to you want that that, garden you You want to go to that garden all of that and you know the weird thing is so there's a funny story about it Um, Barbara Streisand when she first saw the movie in 1998 called up the show the creators the producers of the show Mm -hmm. and she said uh, I I love this where was it set I want to buy that house. And they had to tell her it doesn't exist because everybody that I've ever met, myself included, is always oh, been yeah. like, "I want to live in the house in Practical Magic," and like what you said is is it, it the show plays with time, but the show also plays with a lot of space. Some of those yeah. rooms are huge. They're yeah, huge.
0: it's like the full house house where it's like that many rooms does not fit into a like San into Francisco house. town. And house. there's a
1: reason for that because everything that you see inside the house was on sound stages in California, yeah. and everything you see on the outside of the house was what they call a shell. Yeah, that's built specific that was built specifically for the movie, and it was and, just to shoot the outdoor scenes. And it actually, um, if you look around the house, you never actually see the base of the house where it hits the the ground. Uh, because it was uh, built on native land uh, it was built on on land owned by a tribe and the the like all the bushes and things around the house are hiding the fact that it's built on a platform the whole house is built on a platform yeah. uh, or the the shell rather nobody's ever actually in that house they took some of the furniture from the sound, sound stages and like put it strategically around the window so it looked like there was stuff in that shell um so it was built you did all they shot all the exterior scenes and then immediately took it down even even where they shot it it doesn't exist like you can't go see the site where uh the house stood
0: yeah and I actually I think that part was in not Oregon but the San Juan Islands in Washington yeah um up in like the Puget Sound which is where I went to college and I've never I know like you can go visit like the island I love that there's so much like magical about just Kind of this magical island where there are witches and it's a little town. It's kind of like Gilmore Girls, where it's this little town where everyone knows each other and it kind of taps into that sort of fantasy of small town east northeastern America that
1: Is on the West may or may not
0: exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's set in the West Coast. But um, I mean there are small towns like that out here in the northwest, but they're not quite as picturesque or in as much rainier. <laughs>
1: Yeah. But I think that's, I think that's sort of the, the, the magic of practical magic is that, is that, you know, you wanted to live in that world and it's just not, it's just not a world that exists. It's just not, not any of it exists, not even the house.
0: It sort of reminds me of like Nancy Myers movies, where like the best part of the kitchen is is the kitchen. I'm like everybody wants
1: a Nancy Myers kitchen. One day when I build my forever home, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the contractor, okay, whatever you come up with, go watch like ten Nancy Myers movies. That I want that.
0: You know, the aesthetics of this movie is just so wonderful, and that kind of plays into the soundtrack is also so good. And we've got Stevie Nicks, who is never. Personally identified as a witch, but Stevie Nicks, I think, kind of is in our canon of pop culture witches still for some reason, just because everything about her and her aesthetic is witchy.
1: Sure, sure. And Ryan Murphy certainly ran with that in American Horror Story, Kevin, uh, uh, well, getting her to to sort of reprise that fictional witch role in the in the final couple of episodes. You know the the two songs that are from Stevie Nicks on there were actually created for the movie, uh, Crystal yeah. and did you ever believe?
0: I love those songs. I still yeah. like blast him in a fall day.
1: Oh sure. The whole soundtrack is great. I mean, yeah. you know when when Faith Hill comes on, like I can't stop singing this kiss. like it's just it, the whole soundtrack
0: that song was so big. In 1998, and there were two this versions. Case? Yeah, there were oh, two yeah. versions of it, I think, because there was like the Faith Hill one, and there was another one by someone else, and they were like both on like, oh my God, TRL back in the day. Now I feel really old.
1: that's so, because we are, darling, I know
0: <laughs> to tell you, it's like, oh, I need to go suck the lives out of some little children. And <laughs> so, like, how do you feel about like the depiction of magic itself in this movie? Because I think it's really near and dear to a lot of witches' hearts because magic in this movie is like practical, but Mm -hmm. it's also like not shown as something like evil or corrupting or dangerous. It's just something kind of beautiful and natural.
1: Yeah. I think that um, when you talk about practical magic, most people end up also talking about the craft. Uh, Mm -hmm. And as as being sort of two sides of the same coin in the, the nineties, which movie Canon Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, every, everything that um, people love about the craft, you know, it's, it's edgy and people are empowered and yada, yada, yada. There's also that part where it's like, yeah, but if you get, you know, if you get in too deep, like there's like a deepness mm-hmm. that you can get too far into yeah, somehow tech, with the craft. Cool. Like you, you, you will become evil at some point. You just yeah. you will, you know, it will magic will corrupt you. And you know, there was that whole leftover from the satanic panic of the 80s, which still very much permeates our culture. Oh but, boy, does al- it <laughs> that was alive and well in the craft, which I think is why practical magic, um, you know it is, is such a um important movie for so many people because it it gives people a space it gives people permission to say no this is just this is just a natural part of my life. This is just who I am. This is just how I practice. I honor the earth and I honor, you know, But I also really kind of love it because there's absolutely no discussion whatsoever of spirituality or religion. These people aren't Wiccans. These -hmm. people aren't, um, you know, these people aren't Thelemites. These people aren't occultists. These people aren't whatever. They're just witches. It's just, they're just witches. And you know they th- there's not really a talk about a goddess or a this or a that it's just they're just witches so i think it gives people a lot of permission to insert themselves into the movie and insert themselves um sort of into the world to adopt it as you know part of their own um culture because it can sort of fit into to any of it or none of it at all. You know, it it can fit into anybody's spirituality or lack thereof because they don't, they don't really have a spirituality in the movie. Uh, Magic is just who they are. It's a natural part of the world. It's a natural part of being, which is how I see magic. Yeah. I see magic is just sort of a a natural thing that exists in the world. It's neither good. It's not uh, nor bad. It's, it's, it's just a thing that is out there. Um, And, and you can access it and that's it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It, you don't have to be a Wiccan to have it. You don't have to be a, you know, whatever to have it. You don't have to study the book of the law to have it. It's, it's, it's just there and it's
0: there for everyone. And I think that's why it's so special. And I think that it's interesting because you see a lot of movies and TV shows where like people get their witchy power from like they inherited and it's somehow in their blood. And that's in general, what we have here but like the best scene I think is at the end when all these other women from the town come and join them and Diane Weist has that great line like there's a little witch in every woman and they're comparing notes about all the ways they have felt magical and I just love that and there is the scene with um I will say as
1: a boy I would like to remind you that she actually says there's a little witch in all of us the the line The line "There's a little witch in every woman" was actually the tagline that was put on the okay, poster. Okay, that's
0: why I remember it that way. Aha! <laughs> Have you watched the really, really terrible preview for it? For like, no, if you go I, on I, YouTube, no, it's, no it's, I,
1: I didn't. I didn't want to go back and watch the ads because I remember they were bad. They were, were bad.
0: Very bad. Yeah. Very bad. <laughs> it, it just has got the awful like movie movie announcer voice. Like,
1: in a world yeah. where there are witches in New England, but and also it,
0: kind of Oregon. Yeah, and they're and they're trying to sell it as like a comedy, and that's one of the weird things in this movie. Is like I could never categorize what the genre of this movie is because it's sort of a romantic comedy, but. It's not the I mean, central? it's a romance. I don't it's know that romance. it's a romantic
1: comedy. It's yeah. a romance. It's a it's, yeah. a it's a it's a romance and they're witches. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would put it more um in like ever after with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Like there, sure, there's funny. I mean, Drew Barrymore's yeah. funny, and it there's there's humor to it. Um, but it's it's more of a romance, uh, not quite a drama. It's just sort of right in that witchy romance thing that's yeah that's what it is that's a romance
0: it just is it's just good yeah. just enjoy it yes yeah and like you mentioning the spirituality like she has that scene with the investigator where she says there's no devil in the craft and that's mm-hmm. the only mention of the devil and she just blows that off or she dismisses that really well and i appreciate that that's there and they they mention hecate in they in their spell. Hecate. Hect- they call
1: her Hecate.
0: Yeah. That's the reason they I got that wrong, that name wrong for so well, many but years. They,
1: they do the thing that um, a lot of movies do where they specifically like add letters or, or uh, purposefully mispronounce the names of deities so that they don't like offend people. And there's also kind of a taboo in Hollywood about like maybe let's not summon something. We're not really ready to summon accidentally kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, um, but yeah, they, they purposefully mispronounced uh the the names of deities and things like that. And the only other time that any other like deity is mentioned is when um Jillian prays to God after they ki- <laughs> after they kill Jimmy the first time. She's like, "Oh God, if you get me out of this, I'll be good. I'll have babies. I'll go to PTA."
0: <laughs> so like, let's talk about Jillian and Sally and all the other characters. Do you have a favorite character in this movie or is it just
1: everyone? I mean, Everyone wants to be Sally. Everybody wants to be the most powerful witch. And everybody, everybody wants to own that shop. I know Mm -hmm. zero people. I don't care how dark and creepy your personal brand of paganism is you wanted to own that shop. Everybody wants to own that shop. Every single living human being with an ounce of magic in their blood wants to own that freaking That's
0: That's shop. the dream is live in that house and sell like oatmeal lotions. Oh
1: man, that's, yeah, that's everybody. She's She is sort of like who a bunch of like Instagram witches are trying really hard to portray themselves
0: as right now. <laughs> yeah, like so much of like the Instagram aesthetic we see now is like, okay, it's just practical magic. Yes,
1: but I, I will say- I, the the older I get, the more that I accept. I, I'm I'm Jillian in the movie. I'm I'm one. I'm I'm kind of a mess. <laughs> and I have to accept it. Um, I'm a well-meaning mess. I I I, I certainly try hard, uh, but at the end of the day, I think I'm more of a mess than I think I'm much more of a Jillian than I am a Sally. Uh, but like I don't know. Maybe in another 20 years, it's what 25 years old now. Oh no, it's uh, tw- 20 22 22 years old. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Time, Ugh. man. I can't. Um, but it's it's uh, you know, in another 22 years, I'm sure I'll be like, oh no, I'm totally a jet.
0: <laughs> See, I'm already there. I'm like, okay, yeah, I just want to be like the aunt walking through town with my little parasol and hat and scaring the neighbors. I'm like, yeah, I'd like her. I I, I could be, I could be Francis. I like her. And of course, obviously a lesbian. So <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Living with her wife I, and their adopted kids—it's just like so oh clear to me. <laughs> Isn't that,
1: I oh, <laughs> you, you've upset my dog.
0: <laughs> oh baby, I think one of the, my my favorite. Oh my god! Oh, it's a little puff ball. Oh, it's so it's so sad that this is an audio medium because there's just like this very cute ball of fluff right now. Oh, hi, hey, Bubby. Hi, hey, Kika. Kika Go. says hello. Hi, Kika. <laughs> and now I've like lost my entire train of thought. Uh
1: you wanted to be a, a lesbian. I feel like yeah. I have to say they're not lesbians. Like yeah. somebody's I mean, gonna scream at me like they're not lesbians. Mm-hmm. Like I get what you were doing yeah. there, yeah. but I'm also someone that was just like, okay, but they're the aunts Yeah. Okay, yeah. but they're, they're,
0: I mean, like, they're sisters. Technically, yeah. But you know, like that's a great thing about like movies and media is like we can watch it and just like find whatever we want and even if you know with magic and media we can be like okay it's not you know we can't light candles with blowing on them but you can't I mean I've tried so many times it's like I think well, everyone
1: feel like you need to turn in your witch card then
0: <laughs> I think everyone in the 90s who saw this in the craft either tried the candle thing everyone's or, tried that or, the, or to change
1: their eye color
0: or the pencil balancing thing yep Yep. I think I did that for most of high school. Can't you do that
1: on the Equinox though? Isn't it like when you balance the egg, can't you like balance a pencil on the Equinox? Like I feel th-
0: like that is a myth. Like there was something going around. Like you can balance a
1: broom, like you can balance like a you broom, can, you can you balance can do an that egg, we- you can balance a pencil.
0: I have to look into that because I think that that's like, more of just like a optical illusion or like you can balance a broom any day. But The broom,
1: I know that you can because the way that those wedge-shaped brooms are, like yeah. if you like kind of stab them a little bit onto mm-hmm. the floor, they'll stand for a second. But like eggs and pencils, I think,
0: I think you can do that on the equinox. Okay, well now I'm going to have to, now it's like equinox, but many sabbats away, so.
1: Yes, yeah, next spring, try it. Yeah.
0: Oh, hopefully we'll make it there. <laughs> you kind of see this theme, it starts like in Bewitched and you see it here and you see it in Charmed a lot. And we'll talk about how Charmed is just like a complete ripoff in a lot of ways with this in the craft, but how like you have like a witch who's like the most powerful witch who has this inherent witchy power and she doesn't want it. She wants to be normal. So we have this sort of narrative of like these powerful women rejecting it to kind of play the game of the patriarchy and just, you know have kids and be normal like how do we feel about that and the fact that that is sort of refuted by this movie at the end
1: well i mean the reason that sally tries to run from this isn't because she doesn't want to be a powerful witch and isn't because she doesn't have some great role models and and all of that it's it's I mean it's it's because she's cursed and that if yeah. she ever falls in love I mean she's you know her husband dies Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> she, a good point cuz yeah that would probably make me I mean it's
1: it's not like vicious. she's she's running from in fact she doesn't run from it. I mean, she, she, she grew up, she was very proud to be herself. Um, Sure. She doesn't want to be bullied, but nobody wants to be bullied. Uh, So I don't think she's like trying to run from anything. The only time she really starts trying to be like, you know, I, I look down my nose at the craft. I don't want my kids learning magic or anything like that is, is after magic gets her husband
0: killed, which is definitely
1: fair. Yeah. I mean, and then she's like, well, I don't want my kids (laughs) learning it and, and all of that. So like, I mean, I get that magic got her husband killed. It it kills every other man that dares love an Owens woman. Um, you know, and it seems like magic is just gonna lead her kids down a path of yeah. of trying to to, you know, get stuff that you haven't earned and yeah. uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I I mean you know i don't know that, that that's a it's an incredibly fair criticism of of sally and jillian certainly never runs from anything I and mean, she's yeah. she fully embraces who she is and and you know uh uses her abilities to kind of get what she wants of course because she's never really learned a lot of control not not like control over her power she's not like some kind of like Jean Grey, Dark Phoenix, like going ham on things, which again, if this movie were re- remade today, it would, it, it would be, it'd be all special effects and CGI and things would be flying around the room yeah. and all of that kind of stuff all the time. But uh, you know, because it was a product of its time, you know, it's not like her powers are this out of control thing. It's, it she hasn't really learned a lot of personal control. <laughs> she was always just kind of that wild child persona. And that's, that's, you know where the crux of her story is, not in in running from being a witch. So I don't think either of them ever really do. The only time that Sally does is after her husband dies for a few years.
0: Yeah, and I think that like one of the sort of morals or themes we can take from this is like the way that both of their stories resolve is they find that balance between Sally being a bit too controlled with her magic and and her life and Jillian being a bit too out of control. And so having them mm-hmm. kind of come together at the end, is like, okay, you have to find the balance, which is a good lesson in general and in our actual magical practice, because you don't want to go too far in, any, in either direction. Sure. So do you have a favorite scene from the movie or is it just the whole thing? <laughs> um,
1: oh, gosh. Well, there's a lot of good ones. Everybody loves midnight margaritas. Camilla Bell playing young Sally Owens uh, in the beginning doing the uh, true love spell. She's like it's a true love spell called Amas Veritas," which I was like that just means true love. So it's, yeah. it's just true love in Latin. You know. It's, okay, but
0: When you put things in Latin that makes the magic. That's like one of the rules <laughs> it's of tr- magic and on summoning TV. Up in a true movie. love
1: spell called called true love. <laughs> um uh, you know, and, and she gathers all the white flowers and puts them into a little bowl, and then you see magic be real for the first time for uh, the girls. That's that's always a magical uh, scene for me.
0: Hear my call a mile away. You'll whistle my
1: favorite song.
0: You can ride a pony backwards. What are you doing? Summoning up a true love spell called Amas Feritas. He can... Flip pancakes in the air. He'll be marvelously kind.
1: His favorite shape be a star.
0: And he'll have one green eye and one blue. You never wanted to fall in love. That's the point. The guy I dreamed up doesn't exist. And if he doesn't exist, he'll never die of a broken heart.
1: Oh, God. And something about, like, Sally being in... Uh... The, the the solarium or their garden sunroom or whatever that is um i kind of always liked that as well i don't really know why when she's talking to uh uh agent hallett um uh you know when the whole the that's where the line the dev, there's no devil in the craft thing comes from where she's just kind of explaining her witchiness and he's explaining how weird it is <laughs> I always like that scene i don't know yeah. um But yeah, I think those are probably the three standout moments for me. But I mean, the whole thing, I just want to dive into it.
0: Yeah, I like, I I want to think my favorite scenes is actually when she's writing the letter. And it's just kind of got that profound... Longing and like it's something that transcends you know witchiness or anything, where it's just that that longing of just like feeling alone, and like that sort of that's almost like the letter almost itself is a spell because it's her just sort of crying out with her loneliness to the moon itself, and so that kind of brings in that witchiness to it. And then, and then that's where sort of the timeline of the movie kind of goes a bit wonky because she puts the letter (laughs) in there, goes to see Jillian, and then suddenly. Aiden Quinn has had it for like weeks when he shows up two days later. I well, don't,
1: yeah. she goes and she gets yeah. Jillian. Jillian comes back. Um, and, and I will say there's a, there, the wonky thing about time that has never, that I've never really understood. So you know how, um, so the husband dies, they move back into the aunts, Sally's having a tough time. Um, they look at their hands, they see their scars, you know, Jilly isn't having a great time. Sally isn't having a great time. Jillian is in the bathroom. She's shaken up some uh, Belladonna into Jimmy's tequila and she's looking into a mirror. And then Mm -hmm. the next scene that we see, she's in a car and the day passes really fast. Singing Johnny Mitchell. (laughs) She's in bed with Sally. Ostensibly in... The house with the aunts, right? Yeah. I don't... I think that was all astral projection. I think that entire scene was was the two sisters meeting on, like, the astral plane. I don't think that physically happened.
0: That makes it make so much more sense. Because, like, otherwise Jaleen is, like, a really big asshole for not saying hello to her aunts or her nieces. Right, like... like She's, she's there an, for, an asshole, but like, she's not that bad of an asshole.
1: She drove. She, I mean, like she drives all night to be there for like two hours with Sally. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I think all of that was a dream or an astral projection or something. And then we're told like, oh, that's super witchy because there was an indentation in the pillow, but I don't think that physically happened.
0: I, that makes sense. Whole scene make a lot more sense
1: that's I the like only this scene. I'm accepting
0: I... this headcanon I like it
1: yeah that's the only way that I've ever been able to make that scene make sense and I I it's been a long time I was going to listen to the director's commentary but I they might address it there so maybe there's validation there but I, that's the only way that that scene makes sense in my head is yeah it's, it's witchy <laughs>
0: yeah and it's kind of funny because like there's like something I think like the the late, the letters like dated April or something, and then they go to like the nieces and aunts go to the solstice celebration. I'm like, wait, where what month is this all happening in? Well,
1: I mean, and it's been there's, a, there's a Sabbath everything. every six weeks, so it could yeah. be, yeah. be a lot of things. star could be happening pretty late that year, yeah.
0: It's just, that's one of the best part about paganism is you get a holiday every six weeks. It's like, okay, another <laughs> reason to eat, yes, another reason to decorate. This is why my child loves. Participating in the paganism because she's like, yes, another another party. What are we eating this time? So this this movie, I've got a note here. It says, why are redhead witches the best witches? Because it does play into my favorite trope of witch movies is that there is <laughs> a redhead, and it is like, where did this come from? I mean, we had Glinda is our first really redheaded witch, but uh-huh. is it like a ginger prejudice? Is it just because redheads are awesome? Or is so it because it looks good on screen?
1: Of, you're thinking of Glinda, you're thinking of Endora, you're thinking of Willow, Jillian, then Jillian, of course, Bewitched. Bewitched.
0: You've got um, Hocus Pocus. Are there, are there that many others? <laughs> there's got Rowena on Supernatural as a redhead. There's just some fabulous redheaded witches. I just think um, it's like red hair is some, so often like associated with otherness because it's just, Oh, well,
1: sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of folklore to be had about redheaded people of course none of it's good very it's not good it's typically like a mark of the devil or (laughs) a fish you're a horrible like fairy person or something
0: i mean like you, you kind of look at like that folklore is sort of like one layer on top of like the older pagan folklore where you have like the morrigan is associated with like she's like described. Sometimes with red hair, she's associated with the color red a lot, like red mouth cry. I feel like,
1: I feel like the Morrigan for modern pagans is sort of like Rosemary for modern pagans. It just mean she means whatever somebody needs her to mean at that particular time. She's associated with whatever somebody wants her to be associated with at that particular time. <laughs> like, I... I I feel like there is there is a historical understanding of the Morgan, and then there is what what we've taken and decided that she needs to mean to us in the modern day.
0: And you can even like compare that to like the way we interact with this movie, because like the Morgan is in a sense is almost like a feeling or an aesthetic or an idea. And this movie is also kind of like this feeling, this aesthetic, this idea has got so many different parts that sometimes work together and sometimes don't quite work as like a story, but it all kind of comes together. We've got kind of two different parallel love stories with Sally and like one is a familial love. And then she's got her romantic love, but
1: I'm glad that you acknowledge yeah. that Sally and Jillian are indeed sisters.
0: Yes, they're sisters. <laughs> okay. And, and like, but I do lo- love, love I was like,
1: like I'm, I'm prepping for your <laughs> follow-up article. And the sisters are gay too.
0: <laughs> well, This is almost like, and anteceded to like Frozen, where like sister love was the real magic all along.
1: That's true.
0: And That's I do true. appreciate that like the romantic love is sort of like the side dish and it makes things more interesting and kind of gives her that sort of quote-unquote happy ending but that's achieved for through you know tapping into her familial love and her sisterly love and
1: I like that for Jillian Jillian's happy ending isn't also with a guy it's learning yeah. to be on her own that's I, important I, that's such an important lesson and I, I think that some people are like oh well Sally's the main character so she gets the love interest No, no no no, no. it's they they had different journeys with love Jillian needed to learn to love herself and be okay with herself. And Sally, Sally was already okay with herself, but she, you know, there, there was a difference. Jillian from an early age was like, I can't wait to fall in love. And she was sort of doomed to, uh, misunderstand what love was and to seek out problematic relationships. Whereas Sally resisted love. Sally resisted falling in love one because of the curse, um, but two, I think, just of what she sees that love does to people. Um, yeah, she sees you know,
0: that. There's a great scene with the, the ants and get the bird and what get are you going to do to the bird?
1: Yeah.
0: Poor bird. Poor bird. <laughs> oh bird gosh, that.
1: that scene in the book is so
0: woo. Oh no. Woo!
1: Oh man. Blind Manor, the,
0: there's a dead bird in there too. It's like yeah, why they get do these the heart birds?
1: out and they yeah. stab it with a bunch of silver pins and it's got it's
0: Oh no. Yeah. 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 So yeah, do we think that the portrayal of like the actual practice of magic in these in this movie is close to reality? Or close well sure. Reality? I typically raise the
1: dead on on like Thursday nights. I mean I um, do
0: use Grady Whip in a lot of my rituals. I'm not
1: gonna i lie. So that's, I think, one of the things that I I love about it and I love about its portrayal of magic is it, it is so very practical, but it's practical in the ways that, like, yeah. I mean, if I needed something white to write on the star, honestly, what else would you have used? I just, I yeah. wonder, like, I just can't think of much else. Like, would you have painted it? Like, I guess yeah. you paint it. Like, I, I guess that's yeah. it, right? You get some paint and you paint his chest. I, mean, I think the grossest moment
0: like, is when she eats the ready whip yes? off the dead body. I'm like, oh but that's oh my also, God. The yes.
1: also the best. It's also the best. It gives permission to people because so much, especially these days, like it's come back. It It was gone for a lot of years. And now it's back this push to be this like super aesthetic witch. You know, mm-hmm. you got to be this super aesthetic witch. And that comes with like really expensive crystals and looking a certain way. Your fashion's got to be on point. Your jewelry has to be a certain way. Your room has to look like this because we can all see each other's rooms now, which is... Yeah a thing and you know it's your books of magic have to i mean my gosh like the people on instagram that like have the books now and everybody's got a book and you're flipping and you're doing your reels or your tiktoks or whatever with your books and people you know gluing down all this stuff to try to make their books look really good and like no shade it's just like I don't know, man, some of the most powerful magic I've ever done is just like me and a rock I picked up on the fricking side of the road and throwing it into a pond or, you know, it's just some of the best magic that I've ever either been a part of either ever performed or ever witnessed was just, I don't know, I need to do this. What do I have? what do I have lying around I'm gonna make a i'm gonna make a poppet out of you know an old sock and I'm gonna take a sock and I'm gonna kind of like form it into a thing and I'm gonna name it this and I'm gonna blah 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 and then I'm gonna burn it or I'm gonna stick pins in it or I'm gonna do whatever I'm gonna stuff it full with a particular herb and I'm gonna bury it here and like you know carving out a potato to look like someone or carving out an apple to look like someone or you know that kind of thing like I think that, I think that we really want our witchiness to look a certain way. And I get the push. I I get it. I mean, I get it. I certainly. Gosh. Yeah. If I had millions of dollars and could pay someone to come set dress my house to look a certain way. And You know, to have that like lived in witchy clutter that isn't ever actually like cluttered, you know, like bowls of fruit everywhere that I I will definitely eat and certainly won't get spoiled.
0: Yeah, I have (laughs) bowls of fruit everywhere and I've got fruit flies.
1: You know, I I certainly want to live in that world, but that's a lot of upkeep and that's a lot of time. That's a lot of money. And that's just not practical for most people.
0: It's that's energy you're wasting that you could be using to your actual magical oh, goals. fully.
1: Like, like don't yeah. use
0: your energy setting up the perfect aesthetic for your ritual. Like, your aesthetic is yourself and your magic is right now.
1: There's something to be said for creating an aesthetic. That it does put, put you in,
0: like, the, the, mind, the, the mindset. It puts
1: you into a mindset that gets yeah. you sort of dislodged from... Yeah, like,
0: lighting candles is always going to make you feel... It only, you're like in a mean, there space. There is nothing...
1: W- witchier than lighting a wood match and setting a candle on fire. It's just, there is just, it that, that will always feel, always feel witchy. That is peak yeah. witchy to me.
0: Yeah. And yeah, like it's interesting because you always see the tension between like the practicality and the aesthetic, which is, you know, this movie we we're just talking about how it's got such a great aesthetic, but the aesthetic is not contrived. It is this very, you know, I mean, t- it's literally little, contrived. I like mean, the yeah, house it doesn't is. exist. Like that, but that's like that's a <laughs> that's a compliment to the production design, which was just great on this movie. That it they made it look so real and lived in, and they did, and it was so much silent storytelling about oh, like, how it, the magic works, and like just yeah. the book they have, and the, sure. the texture of that book, and all the little things in it. Like that looks like my cookbook that I have. That it's just like I've just been adding printed out recipes to for. And it's just like God. Rumpled up pieces of newspaper is my my cookbook of shadows, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Has no one published like a cookbook of shadows? That's just like money on the table waiting right, waiting to be.
1: They have. I don't know it that goes. it's ever been called a cookbook of shadows, but <laughs> uh yeah, the, the lots of lots of witchy recipe books have come
0: out. This is a tangent, but when I was Younger, I had a wicked book from like Garina Dunwich. I don't know if you remember her, but it was like, it had a le- mm-hmm. recipe for like Yule eggnog. I'm like, oh, I'll try this witchy eggnog. It did not work. I made an omelet and some milk. It was really <laughs> terrible. So eggnog, much harder to make than just, just buy it.
1: <laughs> did you know that Vanessa Redgrave was almost in this?
0: No. Was she one of the aunts? I'm assuming. Yeah,
1: she was going to be one of the aunts. Um, she was uh, aunt... Um, Oh, let's see. I had a note here. Uh, Diane Weiss. She plays. Diane Weiss is what? Aunt she, Frances, right? I think she's Jet. Jet. Yeah. Is she?
0: I think so. Is, I remember okay. because I wrote about this in the article and I made sure to like check on who is who. Yeah. I remember she says, oh, Franny.
1: Well, whoever Stockard Channing is. Oh, Stockard Channing is, okay, um, yeah. Stockard Channing is Jet, yeah. right?
0: And she's Frances. She is yes, I'm gonna look up that, IMD
1: okay, like and I realize that for like a big fan, that's weird. I always I, think she's Jet because her hair is the dark one. Exactly. She's that, got the dark hair. So I think Jet and I think Jet Black and I think, think Soccer Channing's character.
0: Yeah, that in is the com- movie. That is completely valid. Yeah,
1: so Vanessa Redgrave was her character. Mm-hmm. that's that's who she almost said but they could never work out a deal so yeah. it was going to be Vanessa Redgrave. that would have been a very different set of aunts i feel yeah like.
0: she's got more gravitas i mean like i love stalker channing, well, she's just, channing just kind energy. of gives
1: a bit of a camp feel to mm-hmm. the role in the aunt that diane Wiest is great um mm-hmm. but she's kind of like the cute little bit i mean she's the hilda to the zelda yeah. you know the the you know, you, you watch Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Hilda's fun and a lot of people relate to Hilda, but mm-hmm. you wouldn't love Hilda as much if you didn't have Zelda. Yeah. And, and you know, D- uh, uh, Stockard Channing's aunt character is certainly that Zelda role. It's that, yeah. listen here, this is bullshit. <laughs> There's a very distinct smell. It's a smell of bullshit. Yeah. And I just don't know that Vanessa Redgrave has that line in her no. <laughs> the same way.
0: This cast is just a really great cast. And it's one of the oh, reasons yeah. it's like because I mean, I wish we would let Nicole Kidman be funny more often nowadays because she really does have some comic chops. And oh, she's sure. She's sure. like, I'm like, this or we could just let her smile in a movie. <laughs> like she's got it like a great smile. Come on, poor Do Nicole You know Kidman. what I've always
1: found a little odd is the difference between her American accent in the nineties and her American accent now. Like yeah. there was like A lot of years where Nicole Kidman, like after the 90s, her American accent in films becomes this like whispery thing. It's this gentle whisper of the voice. And I'm just, I'm like, you know, you didn't used to do that in the 90s. (laughs) I don't know if she got that in the others and like kept it Uh. or what, but like she has this like whispery American accent that she does. And it's an odd choice.
0: Yeah. I wish that like we could have a, that's a fanfic I need to write. It's like the practical magic, Nicole Kidman meeting big little lies, Nicole Kidman. It's just like, just curse Alexander Sarsgård. <laughs> I mean, she kind of does. Well, yeah. she's like the, she, Always a great curse to push someone
1: down some stairs. Kind of does. Like she gets together with a group of women and punishes a, coven, a man. Yeah. So like, yeah. there's a coven for you.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was not a great season. I would watch
1: Reese Witherspoon as a witch.
0: Oh, absolutely. That'd be cool.
1: I would watch the whole cast of Big Little Lies as witches. Yes. There is not one of those people that I don't think would make an amazing witch. Zoe Kravitz.
0: Like Laura Dern as a witch. Why has As not, a witch? Why, why hasn't this yes. happened yet?
1: I'm mad. Okay, season three of Big Little Lies, they're witches now.
0: I mean, and it's that's just the Santa tag Cruz. Line. I mean, that's. They're Big in Santa Little Cruz, Lies, right? season
1: three. They're witches now. Yeah. That's, I want to watch that, please. And Sandra Bullock is, of course, a character now.
0: Yeah, she just shows up as. And Meryl Streep. Mm hmm. She's still there. Has
1: Meryl Streep never played a witch?
0: No, she's well, into the woods.
1: Into the woods. I was about to say she was in Into the Woods.
0: And she it's, was something in Mary Poppins Returns, but that was just.
1: Whatever. Well, that's. Yeah, um, she's just sort of in Mary Poppins' family, which gives you strange powers, apparently.
0: They're all. Time Lords or something. And while
1: not a witch, she was also in another Halloween cl- uh, camp classic, uh, Death Becomes Her.
0: Oh, God, that's such a great movie.
1: And that's... she was in that weird movie with Roseanne Barr where Roseanne, like the devil, she devil? She devil.
0: That one I haven't seen. but
1: I, I tried to watch yeah. it and it's bad. And it's bad acting from absolutely every single one of them. And to think that there was a time where Roseanne Barr was so famous that... Meryl Streep was a supporting character in Roseanne Barr vehicle. Is just it's just a it's a dark time in America. Some history, things I have think.
0: gotten better, so yeah. <laughs> we, we may be it's living better. in twenty twenty. But like at least you know Meryl Streep is getting the roles she <laughs> yes. deserves. Um, kind of to close out we can talk about like the influence of this movie on like other witchy media because we talked. You just were talking about like Hilda and Zelda and mm-hmm. Sabrina and. I think Sabrina, like the teenage witch was already running at this point. But when you talk about witchiness as an aesthetic, I think you still see that in like all the witchy things we get right now.
1: Well, I think the Practical Magic, it certainly, I mean, the early 90s uh, up through the craft in the mid 90s. You know, witches were the satanic panic witches. Yep. it was leather and it was darkness and it was or it was culty. like bad portrayals it,
0: of voodoo. Like sure, I mean, it was it
1: whatever. was it was counterculture. <laughs> it was you know it was something you did to rebel. And I feel like I mean, even if even if that wasn't your actual intention, the aesthetic of it was certainly a lot of what you saw in the craft. Um, wash practical magic really transformed what witches looked like for a really long time. You bring up charmed, but you bring up like Willow in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which came Another out the redhead, same yeah. year. Yeah. Um you, you bring up Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And when Willow becomes a witch, she was very much Sally Owen, you know, she was very much yeah. like floral skirts and cute cardigans, and you know, cute hair, and it was that very light floral aesthetic. Lots of peasant and tops, sure, but the witches in Charmed had the big book and that big house and that kind of thing. I mean, but for many, many, many years, uh, you know, the the witches of Practical Magic um, transformed what a witch could be on screen in TV and film. Um, and it gave permission for Good Witches to not just be on kids' TV. Yeah. Of course, you know, as with anything in The Zeitgeist, as with anything in pop culture, we swung back and forth. I mean, 90s grunge is very in now. Uh, it's because you know, no one, like, dresses for anything anymore because sure, we're never leaving
0: our houses ever sure. again.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I think, I, honestly, I think the... Net, after Practical Magic, I don't really think that we saw a big change in witchy aesthetic again mm-hmm. until uh, American Horror Story Season 3, Kevin, when suddenly, out of nowhere... Everybody wants a black flat brimmed hat. Everybody's wearing black. Everybody's got there on Wednesdays, we wear black memes. Uh, Suddenly everybody's making poppets. Suddenly we're all into voodoo and hoodoo. Suddenly every little uh, person who like 12 months prior was publishing books from the the big two pagan publishers, you know, I'm a lifelong Wiccan. I'm a lifelong, you know, blah, 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 blah. Suddenly there, I've been a hoodoo practitioner for years. I'm a voodoo practitioner for years. I'm, you know, look at my flat black <laughs> hat. I'm, I'm, you know, come by my puppets. Um, but I don't think that we really saw like a switch in aesthetic and tone of witches again until American Horror Story Coven came out. And it yeah. kind of took us back to that like dark, you know, creepy witch that, that towed the line. uh, I feel like practical magic um, towed the line between pop culture and folklore, uh, pop culture and fairy tale um, in in this very, you know, magical realism way. Whereas American Horror Story took it back to more of those classic Hollywood Mm -hmm. roots of, of towing the line between the witch and horror. And uh, you know, the witch and creepy, the witch and the craft, the witch and satanic panic, the witch and the darker aspects of it. And it's not that there's not a place for both. And there's certainly I, I love American Horror Story, and I certainly liked that season. Um, it's not the best season of American Horror Story out there, but it's a fine season, and it it gave us Cordelia and it gave us <laughs> uh, you know, that great coven. And I, I love it and Queenie's great and all that. Um but yeah, I mean, Practical Magic certainly changed the game for what witches could be in in TV and media, and I think that you still see that from time to time today.
0: Yeah. It showed us that witches, like real witches, not just you know fairy tale witches or kids' media witches, could be like the hero of the story. Sure, and I think that's why it's so near and dear to everyone's hearts is because sure. like we could be a protagonist, that, you know, does get the happy ending, and the magic isn't bad, and also like. Practical magic does a pretty good job of not being culturally appropriate, appropriative.
1: Exactly. And it doesn't exactly. like,
0: they don't call it Wicca. So they're not like getting Wicca wrong. Right. I mean, the craft doesn't use the word Wicca, thankfully. <laughs> It's never spoken in the craft. They talk about like they don't no because they have their whole like made up god that they oh that's that's right I guess
1: I mean they certainly that was oh. certainly very nineties Wicca flavor yeah I mean, the chalice and, have... and the athame and the... yeah and
0: they then they had like Wiccan consultants but I don't think they ever used the word Wiccan you know and I think that that was a conscious choice on their part. Speaking
1: just... of consultants, do you know the story? Just at the final final little tidbit on this oh, yes. Let's on go Practical for it. Magic. Okay. So they, they also hired a witch as a consultant for practical magic. Okay. She went crazy. Oh dear. Yeah. She went crazy. She started demanding more money. She wanted like 25,000 more dollars from the studio. Uh, if she didn't get it, she said she was going to curse the movie and the director and specifically everyone on set. Um, she threatened to sue Warner brothers, the studio. Uh, eventually, I think they gave her some type of money to go away. But the director ended up going and getting an exorcism because he was like, just in case. Just, like, he, just never in hurt. case. Like, he never hurts.
0: like, never hurts.
1: And he was like, it's a very new age witchy woo. Like, it wasn't like, a, you know, he went to a Christian mm-hmm. priest. Like, he still went to like a witch to get an exorcism. <laughs> It's
0: like, Okay. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I mean, works. they do it in the movie, which is, yes. you know, witches get rid of yeah. bad spirits and stuff. Yeah. So, um, right. but He, yeah, he, he has
0: some whipped cream around.
1: Yeah, he is. Uh, so, yeah, the, they hired a witchy consultant for Practical Magic and she was nuts.
0: Just because somebody says they're a witch doesn't mean that they necessarily know what they're doing. Kind of another right. lesson from this movie is just <laughs> being a witch doesn't mean you're sometimes ready for like the big stuff. I think that will kind of wrap us up. And I just want to say thank you again so much for coming on. It's been wonderful to have you and talk with you. I'm also going to be, we just recorded it, but it's going to broadcast in the future. Now it's going to be coming on your podcast, inciting a riot. Can yes. you? Yes kind of give us a quick, like, rundown? I so have, uh, yeah.
1: uh, my podcast, um, Inciting a Riot, has been around for 11 years. I'm I'm an old person now. <laughs> I am no longer the young voice on the block. Uh, I, I kind of call it a, a show for so- social justice, which is am, I am just as likely on the show to interview, you know, a mom living at the Israeli-Palestinian border as I am to talk to a paranormal investigator, as I am to talk to, uh, you know witches and, and um, you know, all sorts of folks in and around the, the metaphysical community. But the show deals with uh, issues of civil rights and civil liberties and what's going on in the world, um, but also talks to to witches and, and people making uh, witchy media. I had a really cool uh, interview with uh, Moon Ferguson earlier this summer, who created the the TV show Juju, um, which is a sort of a, a take on Charmed, but it's it's black witches and celebrating uh, celebrating black witches in media. So, um, you know, the we show will is definitely
0: sort of, have an episode on that. On this, yeah, <laughs> it's it's
1: sort of evolved in the last year. No longer sort of me doing the research and me presenting topics, but interviewing uh, really interesting people. Um, That maybe you haven't heard of before uh, that are that are doing some amazing things and and doing some really cool research. So I I really love it. I'm really proud of it. Um, And uh, yeah, come listen. Inciting a riot.
0: I really enjoyed the recent episode you did about Reiki because I learned things I had never known about Reiki. I noticed your
1: pronunciation too. I had to. I had to check myself.
0: Like (laughs) as well. It was. We've all been pronouncing
1: it wrong. Apparently.
0: (laughs) We've all been approaching it wrong (laughs) yes
1: yeah yeah so that was a really
0: interesting one i would highly recommend that for anyone to listen to and so i'll i'll be on i apparently know election day
1: (laughs) you are you are you uh we recorded an episode together talking about um pop culture and paganism and media and just uh being in a fandom and the pitfalls of fandoms and things like that uh, which comes out on uh, my feed on november 3rd yeah, and I which just so happens to be election day. Yeah.
0: And I and now like now I'm remembering like, oh, I forgot to say, you know, my favorite witch in pop culture in the last 10 years is Elsa from Frozen.
1: <laughs> is she a witch? She's not a witch.
0: She's got she does magic. She's and, like, not a witch. She's an well, elemental, she's she's, she's Iceman.
1: Yeah,
0: she, <laughs> she's a mutant. But, yeah. Um yeah, she's my favorite magical person in recent memory. So that's that, you know, you can add that as an, as you know, an asterisk, but yeah, I love, I, I have a five-year-old daughter, so I've seen ah, Frozen okay. and Frozen 2. So it might be some Stockholm syndrome talking, but like, yeah, <laughs> really, really love Frozen 2. And we'll have, a, a, I think we're going to have like a special Frozen 2 episode where I'm just going to talk about. Oh, the, I, if you ever 2. do
1: like a, like just a big round table of Disney witches, oh, please, yeah. Please, I will, I I volunteer as tribute to come onto a roundtable discussion about like favorite Disney portrayal. Like there's just, oh, nobody does witches better than Disney. I'm going to yeah. get a lot of hate for that. I know, but yeah. Disney and witches belong together.
0: It does. And like, I really do think Frozen is like some of the best, like foundationally pagan stuff going or Frozen 2 specifically. Because it's all like, that was one of the gateways for me, like talking to my own five-year-old kid about like magic and like okay yeah it's just like with Elsa there's five spirits and see we have them on the altar we have earth air and fire and water and the fifth spirit and she's like oh I get it so it's you know (laughs) you're gonna
1: be showing her Bruce Willis movies
0: oh not no she has she, she does love Jurassic Park so she'd probably like
1: the fifth element
0: oh Oh boy, that that would be a great one to do on here. I have to do that one. Can day. I
1: tell you? I'm sorry, I know we're trying to cut it, but um that <laughs> That's movie does not hold up.
0: The that movie, movie does
1: not hold up. up. It's bad. It's a bad movie, and we all should be very ashamed that we liked it. And I was someone that was like, oh no, I love the fifth element. And then I watched it again as an adult after having not seen it for many years. No, it's a bad movie.
0: There's a <laughs> it, lot of it, like it is so bad it's, 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 it's a weird movie it's interesting at least to watch it makes no freaking sense
1: man it's in that sort of realm of uh of like Jupiter ascending and yeah. uh uh you know I just just a lot of movies where I'm like okay aesthetic doesn't overcome a bad plot yeah and bad acting like yeah mila jovovich is a treasure but that movie is bad
0: i wonder if she has mila jovovich this poor thing ever been in a movie that like made sense i mean um, I...
1: no <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i love no. her but, like <laughs> i like, try trying no. to like think like she's she has a very interesting career
1: Yeah, no, I was trying to be like, oh, well, she was in the third kind, but that was a bad movie too, or the fifth kind or whatever that movie was, was like alien abductions or something. It was bad. That was also bad.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, aesthetic can't be everything. That's why Practical Magic is great, because it is aesthetic plus a story that lets us witches be heroes. So that's kind of our takeaway here for why we love Practical Magic so much. Yes, absolutely.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: thanks for listening to episode three of the real magic podcast i hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as i enjoyed talking with firelight about this amazing movie and i think i learned a few new things you can follow us on twitter under real magic pod that we have the same handle on facebook and on instagram we're working on getting a website up but it's not quite there yet so don't go looking for it If you like me and my work, you can find me on Twitter under at fangirlingjess, and you can find my work on The Mary Sue. And if you like the podcast, please like, review, subscribe, and tell everyone you know how great it is and that they should listen. Our next episode, which will come out on October 30th, is going to be about the movie The Witches, both the original 1989 version and the remake. That's coming out on, well, yesterday, from when this podcast drops. I'm really excited to talk about that one, and I'm pretty sure that these topics of witches as child murderers is going to mean we're going to end up talking a little bit about the Satanic Panic and QAnon, which should be super fun. Until then, have fun, keep watching those movies, casting those spells, and just remember, the Ants weren't sisters, they were lesbians. Blessed be. Goodbye. Goodbye cruel world. Goodbye cruel world. Goodbye to life. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye to all of us.